0: Welcome to the Agile BI Podcast, where we chat with guests or sometimes just to ourselves about being agile with teams who are delivering data, analytics, and visualizations. Welcome to another Agile BI Podcast. I'm Shane Gibson. And I'm Blair Tempero. And today it's uh, Blair and I having a little bit of a chat on our own and we're going to cover off uh, a little bit of work we did a couple of years ago at Blair's place where um, Blair and the team decided to have a bit of a go doing uh, what I would have normally called a FedEx or a hackathon, um, but which they called uh, Innovation Day, Sprint. So, um, yeah, yeah, the whole process of uh, giving the team some time to decide what they want to deliver and uh, let them go wild.
1: Yeah, so we sort of called it a a mix between um, Dragon's Den and a hackathon. So bringing those two things together.
0: And Dragon's Den because? Oh, because we had to sell our idea to a bunch of, Um, executives and yourself Shane (laughs) yeah so that's what I found really interesting was at the end of the process the team actually had to effectively stand up on stage with a bunch of the senior executives from that organization and show what they had built and uh, try to effectively sell the value of of what they wanted to do so they could go and actually harden that code or visualization or data or whatever it was that they did yep
1: yeah definitely so um it was good to know that all of the ideas were endorsed, but, you know, jumping to that first, um, we didn't really doubt that that would happen,
0: because there wasn't true cash being thrown at these things. But um, <clears throat> do, do you find, though, that by setting up early with the team that there was this dragon's den at the end of it, right, that, that yeah. uh, they had to present to, to a group of people outside of the team um what they'd done and and where they saw the value if they carried on yep did it help them focus on being done done by the end of the absolutely
1: yep yeah Yeah, so we had an end goal and we knew that we had a week to do it Mm -hmm. and um so there was no sort of farting around we just had to get stuck in with the the end goal and the best um part of it being presenting to to the c-suite plus yourself so um yeah, I definitely think having that end goal of the presentation kicked us along.
0: And normally hackathons are normally a day, right? So yeah. when we talk about FedEx or hackathons or those kind of things when we look at start startup or, or companies that, that do that, they normally only spend a day on it. We spent yeah. a week because? Oh, we, we thought about a day and going overnight, but we had some
1: team members that had new uh, babies and yep. all sorts and we had BAU. So we, we kind of mixed it with BAU, we had to. Right we still had to keep the lights on, so it was important that um, we split time between, you know, your team concept and, yeah, essentially keeping the lights on. So that's why we came up with a week. We were thinking a longer, but um, we just couldn't sell that.
0: Yep, yep, and so um, so in retrospect, was a week too long, too short, just right?
1: I thought it was just right, right, because we did keep the lights on and we did come up, everyone did come up with a presentation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a tough week. Don't get me wrong. It was, um, yeah. So we decided what members would go into what team. It's kind of a social experiment. Mm-hmm. Um, we wanted to see how uh, certain members worked with others. So it was really sort of a, yeah. That was a bonus. Um, yep. So we we formed the teams, put them together, um, said so come up with a concept. So we had a, the first session was to. Um, report back just on the theme that you were going to work on just to make sure there was no duplication, Um, make sure that everybody in the team was, was along for the ride.
0: And so one of the things we did was we said, well, how do we help the team through their ideation, right? How do we how do we let them uh, actually go through a bit of a process themselves to figure out of all the ideas they have, which one do they think was the most valuable, the most achievable in that time frame. Yeah. And, we, and we kind of used uh, innovation canvas. So we kind of talk. Uh, I can't remember if we took the lean or the business canvas. It was the lean canvas and, that and, I used. Yeah, and we used that to, so each team really had to fill out the canvas at the beginning yeah. to, to help them form and, and collaborate and, and have that conversation about uh, what they were actually going to work on. Did that work as a as a
1: concept? Oh, absolutely! I think um, it was just a, a central point that we could put our goals and um, the purpose of the um, you know of, of the sprint, you know what the peop the, you know who are the people, what are the resources that we need, and we also got into the costs. Um, hypothetically, this would cost three sprints. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd need a product owner, that sort of thing. So we actually started to formulate a plan.
0: Right, so so looking and saying if if we got approval to go forward, yeah. Actually, what do we think? And do we? So that estimation was that done at the beginning of the of the innovation sprint, or at the end, or do we do it at the beginning and then kind of update it at the end? Uh, we did it at the sort of in between. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yep. So after we'd got our proof of concept, yep. um, decided. Yeah. It would have been a useful exercise actually to um, to go back and see which ones we put into put into production. Um, we're our estimates right
0: yeah yeah. yeah. well, well how, how wrong were they right yeah. <laughs> estimates are never right um, <laughs> yeah. so one of the things I found interesting was the number of teams right because yeah. you formed quite a large number of small teams I can't remember how many yeah
1: there was um, I think there were five
0: five teams of four and five right so yeah. again fairly small scrum teams still probably yeah. a really good mix of T skills um, but yeah having five teams racing each other yeah it was pretty um, really
1: intense um, so we tried to mix it between the the um, the people that had done Scrum before, mm-hmm. with those that hadn't, um, and kind of leverage the um, the experience of those that had been in a in a Scrum team to kind of take the lead.
0: Actually, I forgot about that because because at that stage we'd only been one running one Scrum team, right? That's we, right. I can't remember it was like seven or eight, in the team wasn't yep. it? so. Yep. And then the rest of the team was stuck in BAU land trying to manage the BAU bleed yeah. and do that. And yeah. yeah, so actually this was a great way of getting those team members to be able to come in and actually have a go, uh, be part of this new way of working and yeah. see how they thought. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, so, so that was actually... How'd it go? Um, it
1: was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll get into that a bit, bit further. But um, yeah, I thought that the concept of me being in a team was really interesting for me. Yep. Um, and I wasn't allowed to be scrum master. Mm -hmm. How did that go, you might ask? Yeah, really (laughs) badly. (laughs) Because you're back on the field, right? I'm back on the field. Um, It was really hard to take that hat off, especially where I saw situations where I'd normally jump in and um, mediate or Mm -hmm. facilitate. It was tough, man, just to stand back and go, we'll see what these guys come up with, especially when there was conflicting
0: ideas. Did you find that somebody else in, in your team jumped in and started to fill that senior leader role? or? Um, yes,
1: at the start, and our team was interesting. I don't know if you remember, but we came up with an idea of um, loading click incrementally mm-hmm. rather than do the full load, full load. Yep. Um, we had two conflicting ideas. Yep. Uh,
0: yep. I yeah, that, yep. Do remember
1: our one? Uh, so I had to step in as Scrum Master. <laughs> no one had the... Um, experience of um, you know, b- bouncing two ideas yeah. and coming up with a compromise which we did we came up with we presented two ideas we just could not break that yeah
0: that was <laughs> the, interesting because your team statement. split into two teams of two effectively and yeah. then had a race to see uh, which idea and, and both got to the finish line where both ideas were presented both ideas were viable yeah um, they were just different opinions on which was the best yeah yep. just
1: that the actual date um BAU hats that those two yep. members wore yep. get, they came from different areas yeah.
0: and some of the other teams did you see somebody kind of step up as the servant leader as the as the quasi scrum master to help guide the, the team
1: in the limited time I got to see other teams actually interact because I, I was part of part okay. of our one spending most of the week bouncing those two ideas around yeah. before we came up with the idea hey why don't we do both that was the last resort sort of thing um, well, yeah, obviously the, the individuals that had been sort of um, in a leadership role in the scrums were the ones that came to the fore. Okay. Um, it was it was really good experience to, um, to see how they did act in that scrum master role because not, the scrum master can't always be at ceremonies. Um, it's good that he is there or she, but um, just to see how they would act if they had to just sort of like be that person
0: yeah and so do you think if you did it again from a retrospective point of view would you would you recommend that actually still was a scrum master role across all the teams that sat outside off the field and were just helping the teams be able, you know guide the team especially yeah. because you had new team members who had never done it before coming in mixing with people who had been part of the the first core scrum team and then just giving them that little bit of guidance in that week do you think that would have been helpful yeah absolutely um
1: And now that we've got more and more experience in the Scrum Master roles, um, I think it would just hum along a a lot easier, but you know, Struggling for this one was was useful as well. Yeah, it was a good yeah. experiment to start early, right? Absolutely.
0: Um, and then from memory, we didn't really run the ceremonies. I mean, we did the, I'm assuming each of the teams did the daily stand-ups. Uh, yeah. But we didn't really do any kind of play, you know, backlog grooming or sprint planning right at the beginning. It was more of an ideation. That's you know, right. No real estimation. And we didn't do retros every day. We didn't take the, the normal three-week cycle and try and compress it down into no. one week with a couple of of iterations, we kind of just gave them a week and let them that's go right. right. Yeah. yeah. Um,
1: I guess that came down to time. Um, we had a week. It would be useful to try it with all of the ceremonies. Mm. Um, you know, half an hour backlog grooming mm-hmm. rather than an hour. Um, you know, the daily stand-up would obviously keep going. Um, yeah, it just came down to, um, you know, this is going to be sprint, with a makes of BAU in it, so let's um, spend as much time developing as we could.
0: Yeah, and and yeah. again, it was an experiment, right? So yeah, yeah. Experiment, learn, retrospective, change how you you do it next time. Yeah, so and we, yeah,
1: we did have demo days, sort of, um, well, where we'd go into a room, each team, and and switch on a PC and go over what they've done.
0: Okay.
1: Um, yeah, we we certainly did. Yeah. Yeah. You know, open up. Um, SQL, run what you've done, um, you know, open a spreadsheet, that sort of thing, yeah.
0: Right, so kind of prove it amongst the team to yeah, it's pre- give you a, a checkpoint of where you're at and, and so. And how much time does that take? Because cause again, you're, you're fronting to people outside your team. You're, so we you're...
1: started to talk about it really, really early on how we were going to do it, um, but it was only the content came because we came up with the idea of two mm-hmm. methods quite late, we had to rush it, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> yeah. yep. but um, the other teams put a lot of work into the presentation, as much as you could in a week, yep. yeah,
0: um, Yeah. well they definitely came yeah. across as polished, yeah, know, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun, it and didn't seem like anybody was standing up to it for the first time,
1: no, because um, there was that internal pressure, right, so you didn't want to be that team that failed,
0: Yeah. so that's
1: the, the, the beauty of the
0: competition. Yep. And, and how did you manage that? Because now what you had is five teams competing in front of an audience. Yeah, That Dragon's Den thing brings in a natural sense of competition, but it's got to be safe.
1: Oh, yeah, um, it was safe. Um, I just, you know, coming from a sporting background, it was just great, just trying to kick some
0: ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think, you know, if, if you think about it, if you're doing it, where maybe the you know the organisation isn't as, as safe as yours as sure as was, or the team's not as safe or yeah. well formed, then there is a risk that actually could get bad behaviour. Yeah. So. But so we did have a, um, so so the boss
1: was, um, in an observation type role over the and in our in our innovation sprint planning we had regular
0: chickens okay so yeah. so there was somebody sitting outside of it absolutely. monitoring the process keeping an eye on it from a pastoral point of view making you know, personal, yep. a personal a person care point of view making sure that as as the fact that you're experimenting for the first time it, it's safe and and everybody's okay so, Okay, that's good so I think that's that was one of the absolutely from our um, right? and we
1: called that a chicken yeah so it was just um, a visit from the boss yep. how are you guys going
0: yep
1: um, and we yeah so we shared with With myself, I was sort of running it, Mm -hmm. kind of behind the scenes. Yep. Where people were at certain times for their ceremonies, for their, um, for their, uh, kind of a mix between a backlog grooming and a morning stand up. So Mm -hmm. you might have it at three in the afternoon. Right. Um, Yep. And then so we'd turn up with lollies or sausage rolls just to keep the ball rolling. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: But also just make sure that that everybody's okay. And Um, I talk to every scrum master. Yep. in inverted commas and just just to keep a check on how things were going because you know there's there's a potential for things to go wrong
0: also potential for people to overwork right because you know, yeah. it's a competition you know go into those silly 16 hour days just to yeah. to try and get over the line where actually you know yes there's some the, the point is to produce something of value at the end of that week to show something that could work and, and what's left to be done yeah. but it's also a bit of fun you know a bit of a Letting steam off a little bit for the for the team that they're not in that constant sprint cycle of delivering to a product owner. And so on that, did you have did somebody end up in the team becoming almost a quasi product owner? Did you find? Um, Yes, it was probably the person that's idea got chosen. Right.
1: or two ideas. <laughs> two product owners, we know how well that works. Yeah, right? yeah that's right.
0: Yeah. Well, I suppose, but in your case, you had two teams. You're just that's very right. small teams. So yeah, yeah. there was one product owner with one team, and, and again, that's okay. It was just a very small team of yeah. two.
1: So, uh, yes, um, you know, just organically, it it went to the person whose idea was adopted. Right. Um, and I think in hindsight, um, we should have chosen ideas that involve the whole team because... Um, a few of them actually um, didn't embrace the whole team, so we didn't have everybody involved for that whole time.
0: Right. Yeah. Is that because they were doing BAU or because they No, were, it was because it wasn't um, their idea Well it was well it was something that
1: only one person could do. They could, went away and, and wrote some code. Right. We tried to get peer programming as much as we could. Um, but yeah, I think the key next time would be come up with an idea that has everyone involved. To so find a role for
0: everybody at the start. Or maybe you actually bring in product owners. Yeah, yeah. Although then the team, they get to choose. Because one of the things I was really interested in was some of the teams picked automation of the platform. They, they How would I describe it? They looked at a problem they had yep. with what they were doing in their process and they chose to focus on fixing that. Yeah. yeah. Um, whereas some of the other teams went and said, well, we have this wealth of data and we have this really interesting idea on how this data could be used from an analytical point of view to make better business decisions, yeah. but it's never been prioritized, you know, it's not coming from a product owner, it's our idea, so we can't work on it. So they, they made it more uh, data analytics centric content delivery. Yeah. And, and so it was interesting that both of those kind of flavors came through. I suppose if we went and got external product owners to come in the team, it's always going to be kind of data and analytical focus. That's right. Content focus, not automation of some of the processes that are frustrating the team. So yeah. So probably in not, hindsight, yeah, maybe bringing in external product owner is not a good idea. Mm. Or, or you could see what your
1: ideas come up with and whether they warrant one and bring them in. I'm not sure. Or do they come with the idea? But we'd have to think about it, um, how that would work.
0: Or, or do we actually say that um, you know, you are forming a team and one of you has to adopt the product owner role yep. so if it's your idea you that the team accepts is the one they want to work on you're now the product owner which actually means you're not on the field so yeah the interesting thing there is that that team member will experience what it's like being a product owner where you have to you know say what's important and and encourage the team to deliver the bits of value um, yeah. that would be quite interesting, wouldn't it? Because now you're learning another role. Absolutely, uh, and you'd
1: have to go away and talk to stakeholders and come back. And um, yeah, It's quite a good time for us to be talking about that with having product ownership being on the focus. So, yeah, it would be, it'd be
0: awesome. Yeah, so maybe another innovation sprint, but this time uh, each, each team have to allocate a product donor and then get a little bit of product donor coaching as part of that. Um, yeah. as a way of feeling the pain of what a product is going to go through. Yeah. <laughs> uh, scrum masters do too. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Good good learning by doing. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I suppose then you could actually, again, you know, say each one of those teams have to select a scrum master um, who fills that role and, again, you know, gets a little bit of cross-skilling on what it's like but also uh, yeah. get to feel the pain of being the person in the room, standing behind everybody, going you sure that's as easy as you say it yeah, is? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
1: That's not what it says in the manual. That's right. So um, so in terms of Scrum mastership, I before this before the week started, I did a presentation on what what role the Scrum Master has in it, in the development, um, sort of to give a tease to somebody that might think that that's a great idea. I had a couple of people c- coming up to me after that saying, you know, in the innovation sprint, I really hope I get a chance to be the scrum master. Okay. And and they did. Wow. They realised how hard it
0: was. Yeah. So do you think um, that was a uh, because uh, the people coming into the teams hadn't been involved before? So yeah. Yeah. You, know, you had to give them some upskilling really early, just in time to say, well, when you hear these words, this is what it means. So it's kind of you know the, the agile way of working one hundred and one. Yeah. For for your team. Um, but if we had people that were experienced in being a team member, yeah, would we still do that?
1: I think we would. I think we would. I definitely think we would because a lot of most of them have been experienced developers, experienced BAs. They've seen us at work with Scrum mastership and product ownership, but yeah. I think a, um, an overview would be perfect. And
0: see, what's really interesting, I just, I was kind of thinking about that. So I'm, I'm coaching uh, two different teams from, well, two different customer groups at the moment. Um, and so one of the customers I've got uh, one team, um, and with the other customer, we, we've actually ended up with two squads. Right. So. Yep. Um, uh, so again challenge starting off from scratch with two squads at the same time rather than starting one and, and scaling out yeah. um, and you remember when we kind of moved from with, with yours from one scrum team to, to two and we kind of split the team yeah. to see what would happen if we half filled it with experience we knew we'd lose velocity Yes. Um, but you know it was a way of onboarding the, the new team members safely Yeah. we thought um, so I've got the same problem with, with, with these two customers in that as the teams start to rocket, you know, and we and we look at the product roadmap and and the promises of what needs to be delivered over the next six to twelve months and the release promises over the next three to six months, there, there's a mountain of work there, right? Sure. Both of them are re-platforming, uh, as well as re-so so effectively re-platforming the data analytics environments, um, while trying to decommission the you know, the old environments, yeah. while trying to build new for the new strategic, you know, high priority information products. Yeah. Um, and so there's a mountain of work there that, that you know, the team... that just, Will they not, be
1: sharing the duties or is this one team going to concentrate uh, on a certain... So for the FB? customer
0: that uh, we have two squads, they're just going through that now. They're, they're, yep. we're, they're working through, uh, we have enough of a product backlog that they can uh, separate and, and focus without a lot of uh, clash. However, uh, because the platform hasn't been built, they have to incrementally build out the architecture and the platform and the data sure. stuff as they do it. So they are kind of co-dependent. But but my thought goes is as they want to scale, you know, as we want to go from two squads to three squads or from one scrum team to two scrum teams, uh, how do we bring the new people on? Because we've we've been going on a journey where you know we've been learning the language, we've been learning the ways of working and defining that. And to bring new people in, uh, they've got to get up to speed with that before yep. they even start to um, kind of adopt that behaviour. So thinking about it, actually running an innovation sprint, right, as a way of saying, actually, come in, we're going to do it, we're going to split the teams up, yep. going to run an innovation sprint for a week, so a bit of fun. But actually, one of the outcomes we want is you start being immersed in the language and the behaviour in a safe way. Yeah. Right? We're not, we're not aiming for, uh, you know, uh, done-done, out-the-door value to a stakeholder with a product owner championing for that value, um, we've got a little bit more of a safety net for you to learn the to process. prove the concept. Well, it, it's... a. Uh, it, wouldn't call it a Well, you're of not going to prod with these things. No, so I wouldn't... Yeah, we still have to say you have to produce something of value, right? Yeah, you can't yeah. just spend a week mucking around and, and and not prove anything. But I think the canvas and the, and the Dragon's Den basically sets it up right in the beginning you're going to plan and agree and and at the end you've got your demo day effectively where you're showing what you've done so you have to show the value you got to but maybe it's a way of engage you know scaling where you can safely bring new members on and quickly have them learn the way of working or start that journey in a safe environment yeah it could be just that yeah yeah Okay, I might. Um, you might do it. Um. Once we get to a stage where we're going to. You've scale seen or... the canvas. Yeah, I've seen I've the, the, canvas. the canvas. through. And I think we we should be okay for um maybe taking anything that mentions where you work out of that, but actually. Oh, posting... this is actually a um, blank one. I sent you a working one. Yeah. So why don't why don't we take the blank one and we'll mm. upload it as part of the podcast and put it on the the agile website if somebody wants to download it and yeah and use it yeah
1: we found it really useful. Um, you know, the unique value proposition that you're aiming for. Um, people, as I mentioned earlier, channels, you know, the path to customers. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to use Click, you're going to put it online. Key metrics, that was an interesting one. Um, you know, with our, with our um, innovation, we were going to speed, hopefully speed up the, the load and put less pressure on, on the system each day. Things like that. You know, and that, if you're putting it to a, to a panel, they just want to see what you're going to get out of it, right? What value are you going to yeah, yeah. add? so why would we invest? So that was where the Dragon Stand thing really came,
0: came in handy, um, actually putting some value on it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's out of interest though, hard question, how many of those five products made it to another round of investment? Um, none so far. <laughs>
1: They were our, our ideas from us, right? Not the business. So um, we've been on the business timetable mm-hmm. ever since. Um, another idea was to stop, pause and do some of our own stuff. We haven't had a chance to do that yet. Yeah, so we've never
0: really, you've never gone through any kind of technical debt sprint. No. That. And, that, been... and that's one of the challenges, right? As you start delivering that value out to the, to the business stakeholders, yep. they, they want more. and. Yeah, um yeah, so what I'm you know, kinda of retrospective of that for me was and, and I'm not sure I've I've got it right yet, but every new team I engage with it's saying actually we need to set the cadence of that technical debt, that that time where as a team yep. you can focus on automating some of the the things that you know you need to automate that have value for future iterations, but you know, a product owner if they have a choice between you automating a little bit more what you do or them getting another information product out that helps answer business yep. questions better they're going to choose the information product every time right? Absolutely so, um, but if
1: we um, built into our timetable some some of our own stuff yep. we could actually use the innovation sprint as a template for uh, for a bit technical debt sprint quite easily um, yeah yeah it, yeah it would it would fit like a glove really you'd um, you'd look at all of the same things you know costs and key metrics what are you trying to get out of this um, product owner be
0: interesting it might be the DBA yeah um, so you' you'd have to say that uh, it it can't be something that's data and analytical content out to a business stakeholder. So that's right. It, so it can't be one of those. It's got to be something that uh, makes the process or the platform or what the team does on an ongoing basis faster, safer. Yep. You know, less risk or all those kind of cool words. So yeah, it's got to be a way of of um, adding value by by making what you do a little bit easier, a little bit. Yeah, and we've got certain. a
1: backlog of. Technical debt that we've left behind, so I've actually got it sitting there. We know what we've got to go back and fix. Right. But it hasn't broken things, so it hasn't been fixed yet. Well,
0: that and that's the other question, right? If if it's, it's taking up resources, but it hasn't hasn't broken anything, so where's the where's yeah. the line there? Yeah, but if those resources were freed up from those manual turks or those B A U bleeds, then in theory, yeah, uh, they could deliver more to to the business. So.
1: Yeah, or just be a case of maybe going through that backlog and, and doing some value mapping, what's going to add the most um, the most benefit by getting fixed or or, or done, and then just um, prioritising. So yeah. We'd need an internal product owner to do that.
0: Well, what, what I was... I, I kind of, yeah, just thinking about what you said there, if we take that, that innovation canvas and we focused on the metrics for what the team would deliver. And the metric has to be about um, more efficiency or, yep. or safety for the team delivering in the future. Yep. So if that was the key metric, then actually having an iteration where the teams, that they are going to get something production ready, right? So mm-hmm. it's not so much a, a week to have a quick go and then get investment for another round, it has to be done. Done. Yeah. Um. But the the definition of the success, the acceptance criteria, is you've set an expectation, a hypothesis that this investment will make releases take twenty percent of the effort that they take now. Yeah. Um. And so you can measure that, right? Um, and then by doing that, you can go back to your stakeholders and say we invested, you know, two to three weeks, whatever the duration time frame is, uh, to deliver, yep. you know, an eighty percent saving for this. This piece of effort going forward, and actually, here's the proof. Yeah, right? here's our release. A lot, releases a to lot easier
1: decisions. to prove than um, yeah. we're going to produce a product that will make it easier for our teams to um, make business decisions. Like, yeah, what does that mean?
0: if you, you think about that, imagine being imagine having to quantify the amount of time your. So you just use that release example. Yeah, imagine having to quantify how long it takes us to do a release and estimate or guesstimate how much time we'd save if we automated it. That, mm. would, that would be, I mean, I'd struggle to do that. Yeah, so we'll do a technical debt sprint after talking today. Based on using the innovation canvas yes. and key metrics of... Yeah. And then by doing that, um, each team will still naturally compete, right? So sure. they'll, they'll pick something that they know. So actually, if you think about that, what should happen, right? What we should see is the teams pick... The, the cherries, right, the, the easy ones. They, mm. They're going to look at their processes and they're going to say, you know, this thing over here takes us a long time in terms of effort, and it shouldn't. And actually, our ability to create some automation to take a data ops approach to that mm. uh, is something we probably can do in two to three weeks. Yep. And actually, when we do it, we're going to knock off a massive amount of effort off that puppy going forward. Yep. So our metric, if we compete on the metric, uh, will actually hit the, the low-effort, high-value things naturally because who's going to know where they are? It's the team that actually struggle with them or, or spend that time on an ongoing basis. They know where those things live.
1: Yep, and that's why I think that a, a product owner within this, whether it's the DBA, whether it's um, you know the, the chief data officer, whoever, um, working with a BA doing the value mapping of what's going to add the most value and we're going to go with that one within each team. Um, so that's what we're learning at the moment, value mapping. Um, so
0: actually, yeah, bringing in value stream mapping for the core process that they do yeah. would then enable you to, to quantify the metric of effort at each one of them, or the latency at each one of those steps, yeah. which would then let you actually identify the the high value one and then if you had a look at it and compared it to the effort to automate yeah right you should be able to come out quickly with something that says that one is the part of that value stream that we want to automate next
1: absolutely so technical debt has a purpose um to you know to to speed things up to improve the innovation sprint had many 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 reasons for that um passing over the skills that the um you know that the, the Scrum team had learnt across the whole the whole team, um, seeing who works well together, um, having a bit of fun, breaking it up, making people feel unsafe to a safe sort of level. Yep. Um, it had all of those values. I think the innovation sprint has actually got a business purpose. Um, that's that's quantifiable, what's measurable, but they both work off the same canvas.
0: Yeah, so I think I think if we were going to put it into more of a pattern, um, so we have this concept of, of doing this this two to three weeks, no, sorry, we have this concept of, of yeah, disrupting the way the team mm. are working for a period of time for, for an outcome. Um, but I think you've just described two different patterns. Yeah. I think we have a one-week innovation sprint, which is, Find something that you think has massive value to the business or part of the organisation, yeah. to key stakeholders, and spend a week, you know, get it, see how close you can get to delivering that and then asking for investment to finish it. Yeah. I think that's one pattern. I think the second pattern is, uh, you know, that, that technical debt sprint but again, using the same same process and same templates yeah. where we say, actually, we're going to use the canvas, but this time we're going to focus on the metric around automation and we're going to value stream map the processes first yeah. um, to identify that. And then you're going to get given two to three weeks mm. uh, to actually deliver it done, done in production. Yeah. And again, same thing, demo day, all those same behaviours. When we do that, all the other benefits you talk about, about, you know, Forming teams, bringing yeah. people on, yep. all those Steady things scaling. will happen. Yeah, yep. we'll get those again. Uh, and uh, I don't know, I'd be interested to see whether a technical debt sprint has seen as much fun as an innovation sprint. Um, um, yeah. I, I don't know
1: until we try it. What, exactly. I mean, technical debt um, might be just as valuable to yeah, as a brand new shiny product for some people.
0: Well, for the team members that are, are technical, right? That's right people that like deep diving and solving complex problems and yep. and just nailing it and uh, and also make their life easier going forward, yep. they're probably going to get excited. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, who knows? It's, again, as with all things, agile, experiment safely, be exactly. respective at the end of it, and uh, and look at lessons learned.
1: And getting it into a pattern is the challenge as well. We've run one; we haven't managed to do it again. Um, or do you do it on a case by case when you need it, when you feel you need it, or do you, do we
0: set a timetable for these things and have it every three months? I I think um, I think, I'll have think about it. Mm. I think if I had to have an opinion right now, my opinion would be an innovation sprint should be booked um, at a cadence where you know the team is starting to get stale. Mm. Yeah, it, it needs to be a bit of fun. So that for me feels like. A, a three-, six-month type of thing. But yep. I think one thing we learned from this was it was fun when we did it once, yep. uh, but we haven't done it again. So I think you do need to get permission to book it in Yeah. Uh, maybe on a six-monthly basis, you know, because it's a week every six yep. months. Um, and if you timed it, you know, for New Zealand timeframes, if you, if you did it for, like, midwinter, Christmas and December, which, you know, is, is typical more holiday downtime yep. kind of behaviour... Uh, well, midwinter because winter in Wellington is always grey, and so it'll be a bit of exciting. And then Christmas, mm. as we get that downtime, for me that seems like a natural cadence. Yeah. But for a technical death sprint, where we're going to take three weeks, so we're going to take an entire cycle um, mm. of all the squads, all the teams, because it is a, com- you know, a competitive type behaviour. Mm. What's your feeling on that? What How often we- would we get once?
1: Well, when we split up into the two scrum teams, one thought was that one one of the teams would work on new products and the other one would work on technical debt. We decided that wasn't going to work. Um, the reason being, I think that you don't get recognised for technical debt and it would get boring doing all of that all the time. No, no um, exposure. Um, it's kind of... Seen as dreary, whereas the new products out to the business is seen as high, high profile. Um, yeah, so we didn't go down that road. I think
0: also the other one, if you did that, you get this risk of the the new build team will never be done done, but they'll flick it over the fence because they know there's a safety net there of the yeah technical debt. Technical debt. It'll get picked to, up by those guys. You know, it's like when I was a kid, right? <laughs> my clothes were always on the floor at home because I knew my mum would come and pick them up. <laughs> uh, the day she stopped coming and picking them up uh, and I wore the consequences, I started picking my own clothes up when I ran out of clothes. Yeah, <laughs> um, when the so,
1: pole got too big to get into your
0: room. Well, I just climbed over it. But when I kind of had, you know, didn't have clean clothes and I started to smell, it's like, OK, there's a consequence to my behaviour, so yeah. I'm going to go and iterate and change my behaviour. So, um
1: um and answering your question of when um, or how often yeah that's a good good question um, I think constant monitoring of the um, of the backlog is probably important I've just got a pile of cards that say do this we'll do this later if we'll do this later we need to value proper, map, value map them see if anything
0: um, yeah I, I, look I mean with, with yeah. all the teams I've coached uh, I've yet to get to a situation where there wasn't a massive backlog of work for the team that had value to the business stakeholders. Yeah. So I think we need to lock in uh, a cadence where where the team are saying actually, you know, a percentage of our time over a year needs mm-hmm. to be um, dedicated to you know tidying up our own room and, and doing that kind of work. Um, I'm I'm assuming that as the technical debt sprints using the canvas and the metrics. Happen, then the value, you know, that those metrics, those time savings or automation, will become more visible and and, mm. and therefore more of a value based discussion. But I think you actually have to lock in permission to do them um, on a on a some form of cadence. Mm. Otherwise, you know, the the business stakeholders are quite rightly going to say, "I, you know, I need this next. This has massive business value." Yeah, um, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I'm don't know, you, do you do it every six months on an off cycle? So if the innovation sprints are one week in you know June, July and December, do we hit an iteration, kind of March, April and September, October uh, for the, the technical debt iteration, yeah. I think? Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, I mean, you'll probably poo-poo this, but do you add innovation into an existing sprint and just say, look, Every every three week cycle, we're going to knock a certain number of points off the uh, technical debt. Um, the trouble being that they might not be associated with the, the widget that you're building, or the the website, or the um, the app that you're building.
0: In that sprint? I, I think um, I think originally when I started coaching, you know we typically were pipelining, but micro-pipelining, so there was still a handoff between, you know, the, the analysis to the engineering to the data to the visualisation and the testing. There was a, a natural handoff, and therefore there was natural downtime um, across team members where that might have worked. Mm-hmm. But I've got to say that with the later teams that I've been working with, uh, I've actively moved away from anything that looks like that and found that actually with the T-skills and most of the teams I work with, they naturally pick out uh, the moving parts and actually there is no real downtime. Um, yeah. So would would it be useful? Probably. Would it work? I'm going to guess that it wouldn't because it wouldn't be a focus. Yeah. It, it'd be a secondary you could say that if the team uh, have delivered the iteration early they could pick up some of those backlog technical debts things, but most times I, you know, we're we're always moving stories or tasks out as uh, sitting in the in the iteration backlog yeah. and if you if you nail the points and you wanna bring something in, product owner's got a whole raft of
1: additional features. Well that's that's one thing the product owner's not hasn't brought the story in. Um you won't be able to use the canvas, probably. Yeah. Um, it'll be more of a Kanban-type yeah. thing. So, yeah.
0: So, it's so a naturally, yeah. We've, not, come, not, up, not we've come up with no. Well, not a poo-poo, it's have a go. Um, yeah, but fail, naturally, doesn't, it doesn't feel like a pattern that would succeed. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, a dedicated technical debt sprint using mm. the, the innovation-type canvas mm. and a, a competitive behaviour across the teams in a safe way and focus on that metric of of uh, where's the value right, in terms of yep. reduction in time or uh, reduction in risk by automation. To me, that feels like a pattern and process. And I think and the concept. fun of having
1: the Dragon's Den type panel, the panel will obviously be a lot more technical than the one we use for innovation.
0: Um, see I, the I, don't, I don't agree. I, I think yeah. it would be exactly the same panel. Uh but the presentation will be, here's a bunch of technical stuff, mm. but actually here's the time or value that we save. And the reason I say that is because half your teams did that. Yeah. Half your teams actually did you know, plumbing. They, they picked plumbing, right? Yeah. But they still presented a compelling story. Uh, you know Even the two that your team did, both of those were yeah. compelling. Just two different approaches to solving the same problem. Yeah. So, um, no, I, I, I think that the, that Dragon's Den at the end is, is one of the high-value... Mm. Um, pieces of, a, of the puzzle is that without knowing, you know, if you know you're not going to have to front that, your behavior probably will be slightly different.
1: Yeah. And it's getting people on stage, right? It's another skill to your bow.
0: Um, yeah, it's the beginning of facilitation, right? Yeah, yeah. And T skills? T skills, yeah. It's, yeah. it's uh, something that a lot of the development teams are uncomfortable with. But again, you know, i, I got to say, the entire, you know, that was what. 25 people involved when in, in your one when you did it yeah and they were 25 we're up cool to. presentations from everybody so we're up to over
1: 40 now so wow. that'll that'll be an interesting one
0: <laughs> wow eight teams yeah hmm that's uh that, that's a wow that's an interesting idea we'll, we'll take some games. planning yeah would it would it be any different oh the teams will be bigger now right because what we'd say is yeah, you know, one person's got to be a product donor, one person's got to be a scrum master. So there's two roles. Yeah. And we probably still need four to five people in, in the, each each squad. Yeah. Um, so seven to eight. So you've probably got five teams of eight now. So you still, and, and you've proven you can do it with five mm-hmm. teams. So I don't see that as, as uh, I think you had a scaling pattern from mm-hmm. day one, which yep. was great. I'm pretty happy about that. I'm going to... Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. Uh, So when you're running your one. Um, yeah, uh, well, yeah. At the moment, those those teams are still coming up to speed. So uh, we're not at the stage yet where, um, where I think it's safe to, to experiment in that way yet. Yeah. Um, we're not trying to prove the things that you needed to prove and test at that time, but but they will eventually. Um, the question is, yeah, when can you get permission to to do your technical debt one?
1: Yeah, well, with the innovation one, it was just a case of. Um, I was lucky to have a really good change manager that helped me out. Um, and we just made it happen. We just said, look, we're going to set some dates, um, not going to let anything get in the way, and we're just going to do it. And you have to take that approach. Yeah. Otherwise, if you're just trying to book time in people's um, calendars and you're put off by things like that, you just, you'll just you never get around to it.
0: As we know, if you're not focused on it, yeah. it becomes a secondary task and it never quite gets done done. So. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Well I think uh, I think I'm pretty happy with that one. I'm yeah, I'm kind of excited again. Um so we'll put the template up on, on the website where we published the podcast. Yeah. Um and then if anybody's gonna go and give it a go, give us some feedback via Twitter on Absolutely, uh, how you went. And then uh, as soon as Blair figures out when he's gonna book in the the technical debt one, uh we'll do a follow up podcast in, in a couple of months uh and See how it went.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited now. I've just got to uh, find
0: some dates. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I think that's us done. We'll uh, catch you all later from sunny Wellington, New Zealand. Is it? <laughs> well, not at the moment, but it has been up until now, so uh, we'll just keep pretending that Wellington's sunny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> catch you all later. Okay. <laughs> Cheers. Bye. <laughs>
1: You've been listening to another podcast from Blair and Shane, where we discuss all things Agile BI. For more podcasts and resources, please go to agilebi.guru.